0: Greetings, bibliophiles, to five author questions or 5AQ, presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library, the podcast that attempts to delve into the minds of writers using only five questions. I'm Sandra Farrick, head of youth services at Kalamazoo Public Library.
1: And I'm Kevin King, head of community engagement at the library. How are you, Sandra?
0: I am doing well.
1: So, I know when I was a younger person, when I was a wee lad... I was a wee lad at some point. I don't believe it. I really was. I know it's hard to believe. When I got scared, Uh I I would have a stuffed animal. Okay. And my stuffed animal was a dolphin.
0: Interesting. We went
1: to SeaWorld once when I was little, and I got a stuffed dolphin. And I remember my brother got the orca, the Shamu one. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what he did with this, but I still have my stuffed dolphin. (laughs) And his name is Finn.
0: Of course it is.
1: Isn't that a great name for a dolphin? It is
0: a great name. So where is Finn these days? Finn
1: is actually still... Hanging around my house, okay. He's in a safe spot. um The girls got to, you know, I have two daughters. They got to, you know, hold him. They didn't have much interest in Finn. I don't know why they didn't like Finn. I think Finn, Finn was attached to me, so Finn yes. was mine. So <laughs> I I'm, had you know.
0: one that my godmother made. She like embroidered some like bunny rabbit, mm-hmm. and I like wore it to death, so all the threads kept coming out, and then I had to have my grandmother or my mom like re sew it up for me. I don't know where it is now, now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, I'm gonna no. I have to go look for it. It's lost. But it might be lost. A very lost bunny.
1: Well, I bet you all are wondering why we're talking about stuffed animals. You'll find <laughs> out in a second. Okay. But so again, welcome to 5AQ. You can uh, follow us on Instagram at 5AuthorQuestions. That's spell it out F I V E A U T H O R questions. Spell that out yourself. And if you want to email us, it's podcasts. At kpl.gov, podcast plural. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or our stuffed animals will come alive and hunt you down.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: All right. So today we have Liz Braswell. She had sort of an introverted childhood you would expect from a writer. She earned her degree in Egyptology at Brown University. You're like the fifth or sixth or seventh Brown University person we've had on the show. (laughs) We we should get...
2: how many Egyptologists have you had?
0: You're the first. Not
1: enough. I wanted to be an Egyptologist when I grew up, to be honest I, with you. I
0: should be an Egyptologist. Because
1: you're from Egypt.
0: I am, but oh,
1: <laughs> finally <laughs> dawned on me that made sense. All right. And then, then she then promptly spent the next 10 years producing video games, as all good Egyptologists should do. That's right. Finally, she caved into fate and wrote Snow in RX under the name Tracy Lynn. Followed by the Nine Lives of Chloe King, not related to me, Kevin King series under her real name, because by then assassins hunting her were all dead. That's awesome. really, that's really good. Here, mm-hmm. she also has a short stories in Geektastic and Whodunit, and a new series of reimagined fairy tales coming out, starting with A Whole New World, a retelling of Aladdin. She lives in Brooklyn. Every writer we've talked to lived in Brooklyn.
0: (laughs) That's where they live. (laughs) That's all
1: where they all live. That's right. With a husband, two children, a cat, a part time dog, three fish, five coffee trees, she insists we'll start producing beans any day now.
2: That's (laughs) that's actually an older bio because I did get a harvest of coffee from one of my trees.
1: Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Congratulations.
2: Where in Brooklyn are you? Uh, Greenpoint. It's about as far north as you can get. Oh no, I know. I'm from
0: Astoria in Queens.
2: Oh, neighbors, so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we are neighbors.
1: It's the it's the obligatory talk you, about you, where you're from in the there, show. Part. There you
0: go. Well, <laughs> everyone knows where you're from. No
1: more people from no more people from New York on this show. <laughs> no
0: That's more tri-state area. No more tri-state
1: area. <laughs> Just kidding. That's where they all live.
0: It's where they all live. Exactly. Okay. Cause it's so cheap. Cause it's so cheap here. That's what I heard. Green point is so cheap <laughs> right up there with Williamsburg. Yep. <laughs> 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 okay. So now into the darkness stuffed book two, Clark can't wait to go away to camp this year to share with his friends, everything he knows about monsters and stuffies. Now that he knows or suspects very strongly that his grandma made stuffy Foon heroically saved his own father from a horrible fate. Clark is obviously bringing Foon to camp along with him, but once Clark gets to camp, he and his friends discover things are off. What Clark and his friends don't know and what the mighty Foon soon discovers is that monsters have launched a revenge campaign against Foon, a campaign that entails sucking the very life out of Clark. Now it's up to Foon to enter the world of darkness and take on the monster in charge in order to stop the plot and save Clark's life. In the long tradition of stuffies versus monsters, This one's a battle for the ages, one that will certainly go down in stuffy history. If you want to know more about Liz Braswell, you can go right to her website, www.lizbraswell.com. Welcome to 5AQ
2: Liz. Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's been, it's, it's, I've been looking forward to this one just based on the book and (laughs) your author description. It's just hilarious. And I feel like fellow geek here. Mm -hmm. Correct. We like that, so all right. So, as you know, the show is called 5A Questions. You get five questions, but we hold the right to ask follow ups, so they don't count in the five questions. So, first question question number one Did you have a stuffed animal as a kid? And if you will, tell us its origin story.
2: Uh, I had many stuffed animals as a kid, definitely more into stuffed animals than dolls. Um, my I'm gonna lower my voice here, my favorite stuffed animal uh because <laughs> i don't want the others to be jealous was uh is was raccoonie who um funny story she actually not that funny she was given to me um at a birthday party where you know very old-fashioned Like my parents in, invited a bunch of local kids they sh- thought i should be friends with uh <laughs> two of whom were end of story they turned out to be very lovely people but they were a, a pair of identical twins were the reason i was terrified of walking to the bus stop every day but they gave me raccoonie, and um despite my my terror of them raccoonie became my absolute favorite stuffed animal and i imagined that she at night she could grow extra long fangs (laughs) um, help protect me against the monsters that i were positive was under my bed well obviously
1: so raccoonie, foon uh they sound like they might be uh, some inspiration there
2: (laughs) Uh, actually you know, it's funny that the name is one did not drop the other Foon is is actually the, the, his shape and uh, design Foon is Foon is the main character, yes. sort of one of the main characters of um, the stuff series. Uh, it's Clark's favorite stuffed animal. He he's based on, I tried to make back when my husband and I were just like boyfriend, girlfriend, I tried to make him a stuffed animal uh, for Valentine's <laughs> day that came out very awkwardly from like, <laughs> felted sweaters and stuff like that. And, um, that's that's what he's based on. Oh, that's hilarious!
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Okay, question number two: What fictional character have you always wanted to meet in real life, and why? <sighs>
2: wow. Um, hmm. I mean, there's there's the characters that are like, you know. Borderline between fictional and mythological, and like I would really love to meet Aeneas, for instance, mm-hmm. um, from the Aeneid, and talk to him, see what it would be like uh, living back then. Um, of course, I'd like to talk to Jane Eyre, but and I, I don't want to insult any fictional characters out there.
1: <laughs> Anyone listening?
2: <laughs> I mean, you never know. Uh, there's a multiverse. Um, they could be listening in. Uh, I I would actually prefer to talk to the authors who created these fictional characters. Like, um, I mean, like Jane Eyre, for instance, is awesome. Um, But uh, she's, she's completed. Like the story is she's completely envisioned the story and everything you sort of really need to know about her or to imagine more about her in that book. I would like to talk to any of the Bronte sisters, even Anne about how they came up with, you know, each of their characters, um, you know, Jane or Catherine or Heathcliff or anything and, and why they made them the way they did. And the sort of world building you do, even when the world is exactly the same as the one you grew up in.
1: That's, so, that, that's interesting.
2: That's a fair answer. But
1: <laughs> no, no. But it's interesting because somebody who has his writing series, someone who's into geek culture, which is serialized mostly. It feels like, you know, at least with Jane Eyre it's a completed story. Like there could be no more stories of Jane Eyre. I, that's, right. that's just to me is interesting that I mean, what I know about you. Oh,
2: no, I didn't I didn't I didn't mean there's no there could be no more stories about yeah, yeah. Jane Eyre. No. Um like uh you know, Jasper Ford's books or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I meant that like she's she's like the character is the character is complete. Yeah, I like imagine from beginning to end. Um and I want to know what went into the creation
1: of that character. Okay. I gotcha. You're off the hook. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, it's, it's as many, you know, prequels and sequels of series as possible. Uh-huh. I know about yeah, that. There you
1: go. So question number three, what do you do in your personal life that others find annoying?
2: Well, uh, it's funny. I, you know, obviously listeners can't see this, but while I was talking to you, I was, I was drinking out of this mug that says I am silently cor- correcting your grammar. <laughs> um, definitely. That's, that's part of it being <laughs> the grammar police. Um, I think the people closest to me would probably say one of my um, more annoying habits is the intense amount of crafting I do and the <laughs> detritus that it leaves all over the place. Everywhere I go, you can find little bits of yarn or fluff or string. Um, a lot of crafts I get into are kind of sticky, mm-hmm. like um. Uh, I made maple syrup this, this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I like doing resin casting, where you you take resin and you pour it into molds and you make things out of it. Um, I brew kombucha, which is pretty stinky, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, I try to make vegan leather from the kombucha. I'm not vegan; mm-hmm. nothing for against veganism. I just like trying to make mm-hmm. the vegan leather, and that smells terrible and is sticky. So I I suspect if you were to ask my close friends and family, they'd be like, yeah, she just leaves a mess for her. glitter, <laughs> glitter everywhere.
0: That was oh. that was gonna be my follow-up question. Yeah, the was it glitter.
2: glitter everywhere? <laughs> everywhere. Um the like within despite being super careful, within like a few hours after my son was born, mm-hmm. um the doctors noticed he had a little tiny speck of purple glitter. On him. <laughs> no idea where it came from on his forehead. I have no idea, but like
1: the chosen one by the, by Tinkerbell
2: <laughs> wasn't a surprise to anyone.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, so wait, let me get this straight. I got to clarify something. You live in Brooklyn and you brew your own kombucha. That sounds so crazy. Like,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard because uh, I mean, it smells like very strong vinegar, uh-huh. but you kind of have to, uh, I mean, I have to kind of put it out of the, Sort of the cooking area, mm-hmm. so that people don't smell it when they cook. Because um my husband and my kids find it kind of overpowering. Yeah. Do you put it out on the fire escape? No, <laughs> then be either too hot or too cold for the okay. Oh no, yeah, to live out there. Yeah, it's it's a bit much
0: and sticky. That's Stinky. How you, and sticky. That's how you add square footage to your New York apartment. You count the fire escape. Oh, do okay. you? <laughs> Good tip. You grow plants there, man. Yeah,
1: that's New York tip number 52.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Question four. What masterpiece do you wish you had created and why?
2: Um, well, the funny answer, I guess, to that would be like, uh, I wished I had written, um, Blood Meridian, but put you know female characters in it mm-hmm. or uh on the road and put female characters in that <laughs> and actually made the driver a female mm-hmm. um would do a lot of things like that but as for the uh, mm-hmm. other masterpieces i really as as um as you're mentioning before i'm i'm really into world and world building mm-hmm. so obviously a lot of the the masterpieces like which i had created um involve detailed creation of worlds like um oh this is going to date me but like um the comic book uh, Sandman and all of the um, <laughs> yeah. mythologies around the endless and things like that. It's, uh, like I, I guess I use the word perfect too much, but that is a perfectly created universe. It's mm. so detailed. It's so deep and mythological and at the same time, like new. I wish I'd created that. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty good one.
1: You're not dating yourself. I know what Sandman is. You know what mm-hmm. Sandman is.
2: Well, yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, we're all dated together. Then that's yes, fine. That's right. I
1: think we all are, but that's great. And yeah, you know, Samian is wonderful. The the ability of Gaiman being able to take all these different mythologies and use them in his own way also is like it's amazing world building, but also plays homage to the world builders before him. It's
2: it's brilliant. it's respectful.
1: It's totally respectful. I love it. It's a great answer. Thank
2: you. And her, an-
0: and her answer Bye. leads right into number five.
1: Oh, it does. Hmm you are obviously proud to be a geek. Why do you think geek culture has become so very popular over the past few years? And what do you geek out about the most?
2: Uh, a cynical answer to that would be because in the last 30 years, we've seen transfers of great amounts of money to the (laughs) geeks, who create computers and computer games and technology and stuff like that. So suddenly there's that old, um, like urban legend of, uh, Bill Gates posing for the centerfold of Tiger Beat or whatever it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's not <Is> true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nerdy, nerdy uh. people are suddenly uh, looked at more or uh, you could look at it as the social evolution of geeky things, as um, the world of geeky and has become more inclusive, um, both for uh, you know women and people of color and uh, people of all sorts of different backgrounds and ways of being, which it, w- it was not open. Like, like the golden age of science fiction, you were yeah. very limited to a very specific demographic. Um, and now there's video games that are... Um, just amazing in their diversity and their um imagination that doesn't uh rely on some of the same old, same old tropes um of video games from the early part of the video game era. So I would say probably those two things, social growing and the fact that like that's where all the money is now.
1: Yeah. And to talk about the video game industry specifically, it felt it felt like it was the last one to kind of become to kind of join the rest of us in in the 21st century, um, what was it like being a video game creator? Um, you know, um, <laughs> last year, I mean, <laughs>
2: that's like a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's two answers to that. The answer okay. is, uh, it was the most fun I've ever had, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic, and it was creative, and there's something really amazing about. Uh, leading a team of creative people who are you you, you, as a producer i would hire like writers and Mm -hmm. uh, musicians and animators and whatever and that is great and um, the parties were awesome Uh, (laughs) on the other hand being a female in Mm -hmm. that er air that area in the 90s um sucked (laughs) (laughs) a lot a lot of issues there um uh, we could do a whole, a whole thing on how yeah. on that, but I, th- um, I think you it answered, was you know it was great at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think you answered the way I thought you'd answer. I mean, it seems like since GamerGate, things have hopefully changed. Little by little, have been changing. Um, yeah, but it's it's really cool that that you uh, that you had a good time. But yeah, we'll do another podcast just on your yeah. time in, <laughs> in But what do you geek about now? Like, what are the things you're geeking about now?
2: Um. Okay. I really like Precambrian life. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get geeky? I'll, I'll get geeky with you. Uh-huh. Uh, I like the idea of the first predators. Uh-huh. There was this creature called An Anomalocaris canadiensis, this uh-huh. weird shrimp-like thing. Um, it was the first predator and it lived wow. gazillions of years ago. And I just, you know, as a someone who lives in fantasy imagine a world where there's been life for a while but there's never been life that preyed on other life forms before so that's like you know with like a little bite of the apple or leaving eden or whatever but like i like thinking about that so that's something i geek out a lot over Mm -hmm. and um uh independent obscure independent games like the stanley paradox i love Mm -hmm. really like hard to find fun interesting games Mm -hmm. um let's see those are those are two big things i used to be a huge star trek geek but mm-hmm. then after um producing a bunch of video games about it and uh living it 24 <laughs> 7 after 10 years <laughs> of that, i'm 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 a little bit less nice. and however a firefly geek so
1: ah nice well again if we do some kind of geek show you're on my speed dial calling you, saying, let's, let's do a <laughs> geek show so that was five questions
0: that was Okay. Well, we've heard all about the geekiness and the stuffed animals, but what are you working on now or what's coming up next for you?
2: Well, um, just coming out is a re-release of my book Stuffed, which is the first book in the Stuffed series with a whole spanking new cover, which is pretty cool. And then in May, in the early part of May, I want to say May 7th, but I might be wrong about that, is the sequel, Into Darkness, which you mentioned at the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast, um, where uh, Foon has to go into the world of darkness and monsters to rescue Clark from uh, monsters and bad guys. So that's coming out. Um, I am in the copy edit, actually we're past copy edit, we're like in first pass page stages of um, the next uh, Disney's Twisted Tales, uh, a series which I do, um, for... Tangled, which is called What Once Was Mine, which is an alternate telling of Rapunzel and Flynn Rider and everyone's favorites. And then uh, a couple of secret projects. I am not at liberty to disclose <laughs> right now, but um, those are the two big ones coming out. That's uh, the, the Twisted Tale is coming out. The Disney Twisted Tale is coming out in the fall, I think, September.
1: So when you write Disney books, do you get free admission to the parks? That's what I want to know. <laughs>
2: uh, I I don't, but I, I do get other significant um perks really? like hotel discounts and
1: stuff like that <laughs> did you get lightsabers <laughs> Thor's hammer? Not
2: the, not the ones that you build from scratch no nope, oh. you do not get that, unfortunately That's what a
1: bummer.
2: although uh i did i was flown down to do um to do a, a show sign some books at a show down uh-huh. there um so i got to go to the um the star wars exhibit pretty nice. early and that was amazing yeah. um, so that kind of perk yeah
1: my kids grew up and i can't convince them to go again I'm gonna try.
2: That's like when was the last time you went?
1: <sighs> I, it feels because like ten years ago. I know she really is concerned for me. I,
2: I mean but Star I, Wars the Star Wars exhibit is
1: amazing. I'm just gonna go by myself and be that weird old old man that goes by themselves. How old are your kids? Twenty and seventeen. Oh, so cool. Take them to the uh
2: take them to the cantina. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool.
1: <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to talk geek with you. Mm-hmm. And it's been a pleasure to talk about your new book. I'll never see stuffed animals in, in any other way, but this way now. That's right. Yay. As animate objects. Um, some protect me at night. I think that's wonderful.
0: Or to attack us. No, not. The, no, <laughs>
1: stuffed animals. Stuffies oh. are good. Not like those monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Liz. We will be on the lookout for stuff too. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of five author questions presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss an episode.
0: And finally, we leave you with a quote from James Baldwin. The questions which one asks oneself begin at least to illuminate the world and become one's key to the experience of others.